This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we continue our Why I Coach series with our basketball coaches, head men's basketball coach John Furbush from the class of 2005, and head women's basketball coach Allison Montgomery. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. John Furbush, from the Bates class of 2005, completed his 12th season as head coach of the men's basketball team last year, and has led the Bobcats to 150 wins and 8 NESCAC championship tournament appearances through 12 seasons, including 3 appearances in the NESCAC semifinals. In the 2014-15 season, Furbush led the Bobcats to their most victories in program history and their first ever appearance in the NCAA Division III tournament. Furbush graduated from South Portland High School and played basketball and baseball at Bates. He knew he couldn't give it up after graduation, and he soon became the youngest head coach in men's college basketball. My final game in a, in a Bates jersey was in the NESCAC championship at Amherst, and I, I still, I mean, I, I remember how the locker room smelt. Um, everything about that, that uh, moment was so vivid, and I knew in my, in my gut that either I had to fully separate from the athletic experience and just get into a different space and, and let it go or reinvest my, my energy and passion into it. And so, um, you know, I didn't really know in that moment that I, I wanted to necessarily coach, but um, there was a fire in my belly for, from that moment. And so uh, I just got really, really fortunate at the time of graduation where the assistant basketball and baseball coach at Bates um, uh, left. And so I was able to slide in and, and right after graduation, I uh, became an assistant basketball and baseball coach at Bates. So, um, and that was in a way by default. I mean, I, I, I knew I wanted to do it, but it just was like my best option. And, and I had no in, in interest in investment banking where I had some opportunities. So um, certainly not the, the, the uh, financial <laughs> path, but uh, that is certainly where my passion lies. Certainly. So right away after graduation, you're now coaching guys in basketball and baseball who you were teammates with. What, what was that transition like for you? I, it was, it was certainly challenging because I, I, you know, there, there's a personal and professional line that you have to really walk carefully in that, in that position. And um, I, I felt like both the head basketball and head baseball coach really, I mean, grilled me before, um, you know, hopping on this journey to make sure that I could do that well. And so I, I kind of became this like liaison in a way between the coaches and the players. So I didn't jeopardize my integrity with my boss, but I also didn't jeopardize my friendships that I had um, acquired over my time at Bates. So, um, you know, I, I thought I walked the line really well and, and, uh, but certainly, you know, the hard part was you have, you have social interactions with these guys as an undergrad. And then all of a sudden they still want to have those social interactions and, and now you can't do that. So, um, so that was, that was certainly hard, but it, for me, it was, it was clear that the first day I was coaching basketball, I was like, wow, this, the, the amount of, of things I didn't know that went into a practice and recruiting uh, were overwhelming, but so intriguing. So um, I, I knew right away, like first day, I'm like, this is what I want to do. And I'm curious, you know, obviously experienced in both sports, what made you eventually take the basketball coaching path as opposed to maybe baseball? Um, I mean, I, I just like the, I like the game better. It, it was certainly, I mean, I'm sure people in my family would say I was a better baseball player 
than basketball. And I think my, my younger brother's probably proof of that, but um, you know, I, I just felt like the energy in, in basketball was definitely more suitable for my personality. Um, the recruitment in the two years where I was recruiting baseball, it was, it was a, a, a much different process than, than basketball. And I felt like the connections I was making in the basketball world were just a lot more um, my style at the time. So, um, and I just thought there were more opportunities in, in the game of basketball uh, in, in terms of jobs. Uh, that is completely changed now where, you know, the, getting a, a college coaching basketball position is like brutal, you know? So when, when my players are like, I want to get into coaching, I, you know, I want to be real with them that it's going to be a real a challenge. So I, I couldn't have gone wrong either way. I was, I was excited to, to coach both sports. For sure. Um, so you had a year at Springfield college as an assistant, right? Tell me about that. Yeah, it was a fun, actually kind of a funny story. So after I, I grad, um, sorry, after I coached at base, as an assistant for two years, um, I had a, an interview for a graduate associate position at Mercyhurst College in Erie, Pennsylvania, Division II. Um, and I got offered the job, like, on the spot. And, you know, like anyone tells you, like, you don't ever accept a job on the spot. So I was flying back, this tiny little airport in Erie, Pennsylvania. I was flying back. And in the airport, the Springfield head coach was, you know, uh, had, was on a connecting flight back to, to Massachusetts. And I had reached out about his graduate associate um, program the year prior, and he actually hired one of his own guys. So um, that actually didn't work out. And so within two days, he was like, you come back, you know, I want to interview for the position that uh, is open. So I basically got back to Maine, drove down to Massachusetts, interviewed there. I got offered the job on the spot again. And I'm like, oh man, I got to go home and think about this. So um, yeah, I went to Springfield and I still remember leaving Bates and, and the coach at the time said, you know, where do you see yourself 15, 20 years from now? And honestly, I just said, I, I, I want to give myself a solid resume so that, you know, whenever you leave, I, I'm in position to get the, the interview. And he called me a year later, he said, all right, I'm out. I'm like, wow, you didn't really give me a whole lot of time. But, uh, you know, I felt that I, th I felt in my mind I was ready. Whether or not I really was is a different story, but um, it all kind of worked out. Yeah, speaking of that, I was going to mention when you were hired at Bates as the head coach. I think I read somewhere you were the youngest head coach in college basketball, no matter what the level was. What was that like to jump into that so early in your career? I mean, certainly, um, you know, the reality is being an alum, I, I was lucky to have that opportunity to even interview. You know, otherwise, I don't think I would have had a shot. But yeah, 25 years old. I thought I had all the answers when I got here and, and I, and I, in my mind, I had this, you know, this list of things that I knew had to be done. And, you know, I, I still, I'm chip, still chipping away at those things 13 years later. And, and so, you know, the, the challenge was certainly, um, you know, I was coaching 22 year olds as a 25 year old. So I, I missed playing with the seniors I inherited by a year. And, uh, but I will, I will say, I think my first few years, I felt so obligated to separate myself from the players from like an age standpoint. So I, I was probably a little harder to, to, to get along with. I think I, I had to sort of draw that line in the sand. And I feel like now that I'm older, I, I'm trying to get that relationship back where, um, you know, I, I talk the talk and everything. And so, but it was certainly challenging. I, you know, I still remember my first game and, and uh, I, I was so prepared in my mind. And then I was, you know, the first, 
first play of the game, I was like, excuse me, Mr. Official, um, can I step outside this coach's box or am I really going to get a technical foul for that? And he just looked at me like, wow, kid. <laughs> so there was just, you know, there's a lot to learn and, uh, but experience is the best teacher and, and there's, there's no replication for that. I know coach Riley probably is one of your biggest mentors, but tell me about that. And also just any other mentors you've had along the way. Yeah. I mean, coach Riley is certainly, he's my guy. I mean, I, we talk typically a couple times a week. Um, not, not a lot about basketball, just about life. And I, I learned so much from him about, about life. You know, he had four kids that were all under the age of like seven or eight when I was an assistant coach. And at the time I didn't understand that and, and how busy that really was. And now I have two of my own and I'm like, I don't know how he did that. Um, but yeah, we've just had so many deep conversations about life. He's always been there for me, you know, and I, and I felt like it, it took a while for me to realize that, wow, this is the impact a coach can have on a, on a human. Um, so I, I'm still, I'm still a sponge soaking up everything that he's got because he, you know, he's in the same league as, as we are. Um, so there's always, you know, one, maybe two days a year that are for him, probably bittersweet for me. It's, it's not at all. I mean, I'm trying to beat him. So uh, it, it's really rewarding. Um, you know, but between him and, and coach Brock, who's the head coach at Springfield college, who's been there for, you know, 30 plus years, ton of, ton of experience. He's on a, a lot of NCAA committees. So from an administrative standpoint, I, I took a lot from him. And then, you know, I, I could name first and last name of all the coaches I've had really from youth basketball, baseball, soccer, and up. And, you know, to me, to think of it that way, obviously they had some sort of impact on my life. For those who don't know, Coach Riley obviously was the head coach at Bates for a number of years and now the head coach at Wesleyan. You mentioned um, last year or the last time men's basketball was on the court, you guys beat Wesleyan at Wesleyan in a pretty dramatic fashion. I mean, what, what was the handshake like after that game? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it was – it. it I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a little bit awkward because, you know, we're obviously rooting for each other in, in a lot of ways personally. Um, but he, so by the time we had left the building, he actually, uh, him and his staff went into their office to watch the, the play. And so by the time we were leaving, he came back out and he, I think he said something along the lines of, you know, for what it's worth, when you watch this, it's, that was a circus shot your guy threw in. And I, <laughs> I said, well, rather be lucky than good sometimes. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I think if, if I had to put myself in his shoes and I was coaching against a former player of mine, which, you know, it's a matter of time before that happens, you know, it's, it would be hard not to be, you know, proud in some ways of, uh, of what, what I'm doing. So, um, you know, I know that he was, he was upset, but he was certainly happy in some regards too. And then for you as a head coach, obviously you have assistants every year. One of your assistants just got a head job there, Sam Leal at, at UMF. Um, how much pride do you take in seeing your assistants, you know, move up in the coaching world like that? A ton. I think that's something that is, as, as head coaches, we can tend to neglect a little bit because we're so focused on the next wave of recruits and the, and the current guys on the campus. And the last thing I ever want to do is um, take my staff for granted because I, I really lean on them for a lot of things administratively and, and obviously recruiting and travel. Um, so, you know, I take tremendous pride in, in having, you know, my staff move on to positions that are going to better their career. And, you know, between Sam and, and uh, uh, Tommy Verdell was a head coach, BJ Dunn, who, who played for me and then coached with me is, is the head coach at Gettysburg. Um, and then we have, you know, Trey Morins at the Phelps school, among other guys that have done, you know, prep jobs and, and everything. So we just have a, a pretty good coaching tree 
in my in my 12 13 years and that, and and that what that really does for me Aaron is that it, it attracts quality candidates for when those guys do move on because there's a you know there's a there's a, a level of oh, wow you can go to Bates and, and make a jump to the to the next spot so um, that wasn't always the case I think we were just you know begging for anybody to come help us out and now I feel like I have to turn good candidates down how would you describe how your maybe coaching style has changed over the years or has it, I guess? It's certainly definitely changed. I, I, um, I mean, the game has changed. And so I think we have to adapt to the game. Uh, certainly the, the three point balls is a premium uh, now more so than it ever has been. And so, um, you know, I don't think I'd ever change my core values and what I believe in what we should do, but I think we have to alter our, our style of play to, to put ourselves in position to win. And so um, certainly I've, I've over the last seven, eight years, I've become a lot more flexible with my guys to take shots as, as you've quoted the parking lot three before. I think that's, uh, you know, my first three or four years, if that happened, I mean, guys would be coming out of the game and I was like really strict about shot selection. And, and the more I've, I've learned about the game and watched the game, you know, it's, it's about flow and, and, and heat checks. You know, if, if a guy can get you 12 points and four possessions, like you let him go a little bit. And obviously if he doesn't have it, you got to re- reel him in. And that's a fine line um, that you got to walk as a coach. Uh, but I, I've definitely become a little bit more, you know, lenient and flexible with the guys that I know can make those shots. Um, but, but defensively we haven't, we haven't altered a ton of what our beliefs are. Well, yeah, you mentioned that. I mean, guys now have grown up, I guess, at this point, watching Steph Curry in the NBA. I mean, I, I feel like he almost by himself has changed the game of basketball, the way people approach it. Is that a fair statement? Oh, 100%. I, yeah. there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I remember taking the shots like, you know, you'd be at the park and you'd you know be like, oh, Jordan or Kobe, and you'd you know, shoot like a fadeaway mid-range that's not that challenging in, in, in theory. But now when you're coming down over half court and you're just yakking a three up, it's like, whoa. Um, but the crazy part is, I mean, it, so many players practice those shots. You know, I think Tom Coyne and Cody Greenaltz were, were great examples of that last year for me where I saw them make those shots in practice every day. And they were like confident. And, and to me, that's like, why, you know, we, we, if we're going to practice that way, we're going to play that way. Steph Curry definitely deserves some credit. You know, in terms of, I guess, recruiting in the NESCAC for basketball, it's interesting because you see, you know, um, Duncan Robinson from Williams ended up, you know, playing the NBA after transferring to Michigan. I mean, what, how do you find the ideal recruit for Bates? Um, is there a NESCAC type athlete or are you trying to go outside the box maybe a little bit? Yeah, I think it's a hybrid of that. I mean, we, uh, you know, my philosophy is get the best available players and in the climate now with, with the, the pandemic, you know, I, I feel like we've gotten involved with some really good players that, quite honestly, just aren't going to get the looks from the higher level schools that they probably deserve. And so it's, a, I mean, for me, it's a little bit of a, you know, a, a guessing game. I think there's some, some players that we have coming in that I'm really excited about that if, if they had a live period to showcase themselves, I don't think we would be talking to these kids at all, but, um, but yeah, you know, we have to, there, there's a level of DNA that we can't drop below. You know, the, the league is, is certainly very athletic. It's long positionally, um, you know, a lot of guys, uh, teams backcourts are like six, five, six, 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 six. And, and so, um, and they can all shoot. So you, you can't, you can't go too small and try to play quick because they're just so long and athletic that that, that doesn't even matter. Um, so the, the DNA is important. You have to have, you know, 
X level DNA. And then you got to have guys that can make shots. Um, you know, the, because the three is so valuable. If you, if you're playing two guys that can't make threes, it's going to be a hard, you better be the best defensive team in the country, or you better get to the foul line every possession and make, you know, 80% of your free throws. So, you know, we're looking for guys that can make shots at all five positions. And um, those guys are hard to find. Certainly. Um, what's your favorite part about coaching? What, what, what really makes you smile the most when you think about it in terms of coaching? I, it's certainly the impact we have on people. Um, and, that, and that's really why I got into this profession is, is uh, you know, I felt like I was given so much good life advice that I didn't know I, ha- I was receiving at this moment um, that I'm now trying to give back to, to my players. And so, you know, we're educators who are, are you know, the, the, for me, the court's my classroom. And um, I, I think that we're giving these guys, you know, life skills that are really going to help them when they get to the real world. And, and for me, the biggest thing is adversity management, especially in these times where it's so easy to find negativity and allow that negativity to, to lead into the next decision you make that becomes another negative thing. And, and so um, I think that what we do as coaches is really prepare them to be proactive and, and um, not fall down to this rabbit hole of, of making mistakes or, or finding negative things in the world. So, um, you know, having been to like six or seven players weddings in the last five years for me, it's just been like, you know, now that I'm a, a parent and have two young kids, like when, when I'm going to these things and I'm thinking about the impact that I've apparently had on some of these guys, like it just makes my, my purpose so much greater. Um, so I, I think it's those little things that for me will make me love coaching so much. You touched on like the times we're in, how are you approaching it um, from a coaching perspective when really there isn't much opportunity to get out there on the court, if, if at all um, right now, how are you, how are you doing kind of approaching things? Have you talked to other coaches, how they're doing it? Yeah. I, like anything, I think as coaches, we're all, we're all plagiarizing from each other and trying to find ways to, you know, support our student athletes, especially in times like this. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying not to force too much conversation among my guys. I think I'm, you know, we actually had a zoom last night and just caught up on, on life and everything. And, and, you know, we had guys do like one, two minute check-ins in front of the group because a that's important and B it's, it's funny and awkward at the same time watching these guys talk in front of their peers. Um, but yeah, I, I just think making sure that uh, we have those big group discussions and getting the team together, because that's where, I think guys are most comfortable and feel the most supported, but I've also been trying to have individual conversations with, with guys. Cause sometimes that big zoom group platform isn't the most conducive for people that have like a, you know, more of a serious topic they want to talk about one-on-one. And so I just think having check-ins with the guys, making sure they're doing okay. And, and really emphasizing that, you know, find ways to, to stay fit right now. And, that, and, and, you know, these guys are, um, it was, it was a hard semester and they were trying to find ways to get better on the court in the weight room and with their cardio. And now they have till like mid February to, you know, to just procrastinate and, and, and delay things. And I'm like, get, you know, find ways to get in shape, go outside, do things that are maybe a little bit uncomfortable. So um, I think any form of exercise right now is really, really important. Certainly. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about coaching we haven't got to talk about? We're really, really lucky. I, I just don't think we can ever take what we do for granted. And, um, you know, I, I've seen plenty of my coaching friends that felt like it wasn't for them and they weren't serving a purpose. And then they changed jobs and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so brutal. And now they're, they're having trouble getting back into the profession. So I think, it, you know, I, I just think it's something that we have to 
value every day that we get to do this. And, um, you know, I, I just feel so fortunate to, to be a college basketball coach. Great. John Furbush, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. In 2020, her fifth season as head coach of Bates women's basketball, Allison Montgomery guided the Bobcats to their third NESCAC tournament appearance in her tenure. With a final record of 13-12, and 12, the team's first winning mark, since 2011. Montgomery is a boating graduate and got her start coaching with the Polar Bears before spending four seasons at the Naval Academy. A former star at Bangor High School, Montgomery joins the Bobcast to talk about her coaching journey so far. Along the way, while you were playing basketball, when did you first start to think I could possibly go into coaching after, I, after I'm done playing? Not while I was a player ever. I did not have sort of a sense uh, that I wanted to pursue it as a career until after. I, um, after I graduated from college, I went right to a graduate program in social work, have just always loved working with people and felt like I wanted to be in a helping profession of some kind. Um, so went right to grad school. That was a two-year program. And then I, I worked one year in the field and just missed competing so much, <laughs> missed the um, culture and camaraderie of a team um, so there was an opportunity to get back into coaching. Um, so, you know, I sort of <laughs> took that leap just after finishing, um, getting my professional degree in social work. Um, so yeah, it sort of came back to me. I did not set out thinking that I would, um, pursue a career in coaching. How'd you get your start then? Once you, once you got that urge, how, how'd you go about getting your start? Yeah, I, um, it actually just worked out that as I, so I had, I had been away for three years and then had been planning to move back to Maine. Um, I was living in the Portland area and Adrian Scheibels got the job at Bowdoin. Um, so the previous coach, Steph Pemper, that I played for had moved on. And Adrian was someone that I knew um, we kind of have similar, we came from similar places in Maine and um, I had worked with her at summer camps um, as a kid. And so knew her and really liked her. Um, and she got the job and I applied to be her assistant. Um, just felt like, you know, see, wanting to see if getting back into it would sort of fulfill, um, what I was really missing and what I was really passionate about. And so luckily had that opportunity to, to try it. And what were some things you had to learn right away about how to succeed coaching as compared to when you were a player? It's so much harder to coach Aaron. <laughs> um, just sort of some things that you wonder, like, can you teach? Can you not teach? Like what's innate? Um, some things that maybe um, as a player um, or as just a team member that come naturally to some people and not to others. And so learning how to sort of um, teach and um, patiently, um, you know, work with teams and develop not only sort of basketball IQ and basketball skill, but also the culture part, which is, which, you know, I think I'm kind of equally passionate about that part. Um, I think just, you know, you hear this a lot with people who are athletes and then go into coaching, you sort of did not realize how much goes into it. Um, and just what a big job it is and sort of everything that you're managing. So, um, I just, I think I learned pretty quickly how dynamic and challenging the job is where I always felt like playing was just so much more simple. <laughs> um, so I'd say I learned that pretty quick. So for a few years um, at Bowdoin as an assistant, you, you joined your former uh, head coach at Bowdoin at, at Navy, right? As an assistant there. And and I, I imagine, I mean, 
Bowdoin students, Naval Academy students, I mean, was there an adjustment there kind of? Because you, you've been getting adjusted to coaching, you know, NESCAC athletes, and now you're coaching people who are ready to go into the military when they graduate. Certainly there was some differences. It was actually more similar than people, than you might think. That was my experience is, you know, you're still working with young women who are 18 to 22, who, you know, are in that similar phase of their life. I think the Naval Academy also was a great fit for me because, you know, I didn't really have an aspiration um, at first to pursue the division one level. I felt like division three was really the best fit for me, but the Naval Academy has some real similarities to sort of a D3 model just in terms of the student athletes there, you know, they're not on a scholarship. Um, they're there first to be in the military and serve their country. Um, so they have sort of these other huge responsibilities um, in addition to playing basketball, but they're also competing at a really high level. So, I mean, I think that's similar to the NESCAC, right? Where there's really high academic standards. These, these student athletes are really dynamic and they're pursuing a lot of things, but they're also competing at a pretty high level of basketball. So it's actually... I felt like it was pretty similar, maybe just, you know, clearly that in some ways the stakes um, were a little higher in terms of what they were pursuing for a career after recruiting was different um, in terms of, you know, finding a fit for um, all that the academy demands and entails, not only while you're there, but after. Um, So sure, there were definitely differences, um, but not the student athletes aren't quite as different as you might think. Tell me a little bit about your mentors in terms of people who you learned a lot from and, and why in terms of how they've impacted you as a coach. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, my college coach had a huge impact on me. I think, you know, as I was choosing a college, my, my first, um, well, in addition, you know, like I knew I wanted to play basketball and beyond that, I thought I'm not staying in the state of Maine. As you mentioned, I'm from Maine. Um, and obviously I ended up there and it was because of the relationship I developed with my coach and um, how excited I was to work with her in my four years. So she's been a huge mentor for me, still is, um, both when I was a player for her and then worked for her and, and still in my life now. She's just really passionate about everything she does. She's really thoughtful. She's very intentional. Um and really believes in, I think, investing in every single one of her players. Um very invested in team culture, um, while not compromising also, um, being a really pretty good basketball mind and just loving the sport and competing. So she's, um, dynamic, thoughtful, challenging, um, you know, pushed me both as a player, as a leader. And then also when I worked with her, um, she just really kind of demands excellence, um, from everybody around her. So, you know, I still feel like I embody a lot of what I learned from her. And then in my opportunity to work with um, Adrian Scheibels at, at Bowdoin, I think that's where I really developed an understanding that this is what I want to do with my life, like as a career. Um, she mentored me in really similar ways, like fierce, competitive uh, woman who she also modeled a lot for me in terms of um, just being able to manage a lot in her life, to not, to not compromise, um, being a mother and having a family, um, showing real vulnerability at times in terms of like how hard things can be. Um, but also just being super invested in, like I said, fierce, um, and both of those women have remained like very close friends of mine. So, um, both women who, 
love what they do, but also keep it in perspective, I think. And that's part of what makes them great. Um, so, you know, like I said, they shaped me a ton and continue to do so. So at Navy, you become the recruiting coordinator. You're in charge of that. And then the Bates opportunity arises. Uh, how did that all go down for you from your perspective uh, back in 20, well, I guess 2015, 2016 was your first year. Yeah. And so I think I'd been at the Naval Academy for four years, had just kind of started a, the personal journey too of, um, you know, had a young one, had a one-year-old and I was pregnant actually. So personally, it was an interesting time just wondering like, is this a shift that I felt like my family could manage and that, you know, I felt like I could be, um, you know, really great at both things at that moment. Um, actually, Adrian Chibles called me and said, this job is open, you're getting it, like, let's go <laughs> um, and supported me to do that. Um, so yeah, I, you know, right up until the moment I took it, I think, you know, it, it was like a, a challenging choice in terms of having the whole puzzle fit together. But at the same time, it wasn't. Um, this was, you know, as I was developing and growing as a coach and thinking about my path, Bates was a really, really ideal spot for me. Um, you know, for obvious reasons, being in the NESCAC. Um, and I was really excited about trying to get a program back to the top and back being really competitive in the most competitive league um, in Division Three. So, you know, while there's parts of that that are daunting, um, there's also parts that I just couldn't turn down. I love the challenge. Um, I love the idea of being back in Maine. Um, so it ended up just being... Uh, a great fit and um we made the timing be great too <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm curious in terms of from a coaching perspective rivalries right so like Bates yep. boat is, is a big rivalry the student athletes know it you you've seen both sides you 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 went to Bowdoin but now you're coaching at Bates and so how do you see the rivalry and the, was there any hesitation at all about coaching uh, your heated rival from college <laughs> There really was no hesitation. I think some of it maybe was, um, you know, there'd been some time um, since I yeah. graduated, but also um, the way I think of Bates when I, as being a student athlete at Bowdoin, um, it was such a rivalry then. It was so competitive, um, you know, battling for championships. Every game was a battle and there's so much I respected about Bates. I think um, also just sort of the personality of Bates and the identity of Bates, the, the way I thought of it and the way I think of it now, I feel like matches my personality really well, actually. Um, so it, it wasn't, it didn't feel weird. I know, I know that that sometimes sounds weird to people on the outside looking at thinking like, really? Um, but it didn't feel real weird to me. It felt like a great fit. Um, and you know, it, it still doesn't feel weird. I think a lot of people really dream of working for their, working at their alma mater, I don't, I'm like excited to build something new at new places. And, you know, I, that's not, that hasn't been like a, a dream or a goal for me. I know um, it is for some people, but, um, but not for me. And and when we compete against Bowdoin now, I, it's weird. Maybe it's just some like disassociation thing I do in my brain, but I don't think of it as the Bowdoin um, where I graduated from. I just, I think of it as sort of a, a separate place now. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, it's, um, and, and, you know, as I think a lot of people know, um, the head coach at Bowdoin is a Bates alum. So right. it's kind of a funny little, funny little switcheroo. Certainly. And then, um, so your first year as head coach, what were some of the biggest uh, challenges in terms of learning to, uh, cause you've been an assistant, but now you were running the show, right? Yeah. Um, 
you know, geez, I'm reaching back to that, to that year. I think it just kind of, I definitely felt ready. I definitely felt prepared. I just think again, sort of how I described my first year as an assistant, when you take it on, I think you can intellectually understand the challenge, but once you get in it um, and you realize how dynamic it is, that's tough. I think also, you know, just being a competitor um, and wanting results pretty immediately, I think just um, balancing that with patience and understanding the process and knowing if you're really going to do it right um, and you're really going to make those strides, it's going to take some time. And there's a lot of parts that go into it. Um, so I think, you know, just understanding it was going to be a labor of love and, and, uh, and really embracing having some patience, which is not something that comes really, really naturally to me. And then, um, you know, so now and during this time, obviously it's unprecedented times and, and what has, as a coach, how have you adjusted to, you know, working, I mean, either, socially distanced or remotely with your, with your student athletes uh, so far this winter? I think we've done as well as we could, um, as well as we can. And we continue to do that. My approach has just tried to be um, as real as possible with our student athletes. Like from the beginning, I think I've just tried to manage um, the hope that they've had for what this year might be. I've just tried to really prepare them um, for the worst, just in terms of what was going to happen with our season, which I think served us well as we came in in the fall and um, just not having a lot of expectation for having anything that resembled a normal season. Um, I do think we've gotten some great things out of this year, you know, always trying to find like what positives there might be in terms of some culture stuff and some team building stuff and some conversations and some other things that we can focus on that can be really hard to do in the day-to-day when you're preparing to compete um, and you're on the court. So yeah, we've tried to be creative um, in the virtual sort of space and we're meeting regularly. um, And, you know, I think just kind of doing our best, but also just embracing that it's really hard sometimes. uh, in different ways for different people, but also trying to talk a lot about that and um, just hoping that um, this can really move us forward in terms of having some really good perspective um, and having some urgency the next time we are able to to all be together and compete. What do you enjoy most about coaching? What's your favorite aspect of it? My favorite aspect is, um, I mean, I definitely have a couple, but I would say being able to be present. I have found that I think something I missed about competing and what made me want to get into coaching is I haven't really ever found anything else in my life, at least that has allowed me to be so present and in the moment and just feel as alive and focused on something. Um, you know, I think it's a human thing, but also like, I think it just becomes increasingly more and more challenging, um, to not be distracted and to just be present in the moment of what you're, what you're trying to do. Um, and so, finding that flow state is definitely, um, the closest I've been is, is, you know, obviously competing as an athlete, but then coaching. So, um, I love that. I love the way that feels. I love the way it pushes me. And I think that's the other thing I love about coaching is it's really, really, really hard. Like it's very challenging and it's dynamic. Something I'm learning about myself during these, um, during this year is that I don't do great when, you know, things are kind of the same every day. (laughs) I love dynamic challenges. I think in coaching every year, things are different. Like just the, the culture of your team, even if you only take away one and add one, like it's just different every year. Um, 
and that's hard, but I, I also love the way that that's challenging. Um, so those are the two things I think I love the most kind of for myself in terms of it being my career. Great. Well, any other thoughts you, we want to share? Any other things you wanted to mention we haven't gotten to talk about in terms of coaching? Just the other thing that I would say that I love about it and why I do it is just because of the way that it shaped me, like my opportunity to be an athlete and to play, um, certainly as a woman, but, you know, also just in my relationship with other people, the way it contributed to my confidence, to my identity, and also the way those people that, you know, the coaches that I mentioned that I both worked with and who coached me and the women I've coached, like those are some of the strongest relationships in my life. And I think will be forever. So I feel a real responsibility to give that back to the women that I work with. I take it really seriously um, to try to help foster the best possible environment for them where they just come out prepared um, for what's ahead of them in their next phase of life and that they kind of hold on to experience an experience that, you know, hopefully has made them stronger, more confident, um, and that they've developed relationships that, you know, they're going to have forever. So I feel really strongly about that. And, and like I said, I think of that as a big responsibility. Awesome. Alison Montgomery, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. The Bobcast is taking the next few weeks off, but we'll return in January with more interviews with our coaches and we'll begin our class of 2021 senior salutes after the new year as well. Happy holidays from the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my